0: SECTION 2 OF A CHESTERTON CALENDAR This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay A Chesterton Calendar by G. K. Chesterton SECTION 2 FEBRUARY FEBRUARY 1st Many modern Englishmen talk of themselves, as the sturdy descendants of their sturdy Puritan fathers, as a fact, they would run away from a cow. If you asked one of their Puritan fathers, if you asked Bunyan, for instance, whether he was sturdy, he would have answered with tears, that he was as weak as water, and because of this, he would have borne tortures. Heretics. February 2nd. Candlemas, the Feast of the Purification. But as I sat scrawling these silly figures on brown paper, it began to dawn on me, to my great disgust, that I had left one chalk, and that a most exquisite and essential one, behind. I searched all my pockets, but I could not find any white chalk. Now those who are acquainted with all the philosophy— nay religion which is typified in the art of drawing on brown paper know that white is positive and essential i cannot avoid remarking here upon a moral significance one of the wise and awful truths which this brown paper art reveals is this that white is a colour it is not a mere absence of colour it is a shining and affirmative thing as fierce as red as definite as black when so to speak your pencil grows red hot it draws roses when it grows white hot it draws stars and one of the two or three defiant verities of the best religious morality of real christianity for example is exactly this same thing the chief assertion of religious morality is that white is a color virtue is not the absence of vices or the avoidance of moral dangers Virtue is a vivid and separate thing, like pain or a particular smell. Mercy does not mean not being cruel or sparing people revenge or punishment. It means a plain and positive thing like the sun, which one has either seen or not seen. Chastity does not mean abstinence from sexual wrong. It means something flaming like Joan of Arc in a word god paints in many colours but he never paints so gorgeously i had almost said so gaudily as when he paints in white tremendous trifles february third it is always easy to let the age have its head the difficult thing is to keep one's own It is always easy to be a modernist, as it is easy to be a snob. To have fallen into any of those open traps of error and exaggeration, which fashion after fashion, and sect after sect, set along the historic path of Christendom, that would indeed have been simple. It is always simple to fall. There are an infinity of angles at which one falls, only one at which one stands. To have fallen into any of the fads that Gnosticism or Christian science, would indeed have been obvious and tame. But to have avoided them all has been one whirling adventure. And in my vision, the heavenly chariot flies thundering through the ages, the dull heresies sprawling and prostrate, the wild truth reeling but erect. Orthodoxy. February 4th. The curse against God is, exercise I, in the primer of minor poetry. The Defendant. February 5th. Whatever else the worst doctrine of depravity may have been, it was a product of spiritual conviction. It had nothing to do with remote physical origins. Men thought mankind wicked because they felt wicked themselves. If a man feels wicked, I cannot see why he should suddenly feel good, because somebody tells him that his ancestors once had tails. Man's primary purity and innocence may have fallen off with his tail, for all anyone knows. The only thing we all know about that primary purity and innocence is that we have not got it. All things considered. February 6th. If you have composed a bad opera, you may persuade yourself that it is a good one. If you have carved a bad statue, you can think yourself better than Michelangelo. But if you have lost a battle, you cannot believe you have won it. If your client is hanged, you cannot pretend that you have got him off. George Bernard Shaw February 7th, Dickens Born We are able to answer the question, why have we no great men? We have no great men, chiefly because we are always looking for them. We are connoisseurs of greatness, and connoisseurs can never be great. We are fastidious, that is, we are small when diogenes went about with a lantern looking for an honest man i am afraid he had very little time to be honest himself and when anybody goes about on his hands and knees looking for a great man to worship he is making sure that one man at any rate shall not be great now the error of diogenes is evident the error of diogenes lay in the fact that he omitted to notice that every man is both an honest man and a dishonest man Diogenes looked for his honest man inside every crypt and cavern, but he never thought of looking inside the thief. And that is where the founder of Christianity found the honest man. He found him on a giblet and promised him paradise. Just as Christianity looked for the honest man inside the thief, democracy looked for the wise man inside the fool. It encouraged the fool to be wise. We can call this thing sometimes optimism, sometimes equality. The nearest name for it is encouragement. It had its exaggerations, failure to understand original sin, notions that education would make all men good, the childlike yet pedantic philosophies of human perfectibility. But the whole was full of faith in the infinity of human souls, which is in itself not only Christian, but orthodox. And this we have lost, amid the limitations of pessimistic science, Christianity said that any man can be a saint if he choose. Democracy, that every man could be a citizen if he choose. The note of the last few decades in art and ethics has been that a man is stamped with an irrevocable psychology and is cramped for perpetuity in the prison of his skull. It was a world that expects everything and everybody. It was a world that encouraged anybody to be anything and in England and literature, its living expression was Dickens. Charles Dickens. February 8th. That which is large enough for the rich to covet is large enough for the poor to defend. The Napoleon of Notting Hill. February ninth. The modern writers who have suggested, in a more or less open manner, that the family is a bad institution, have generally confined themselves to suggesting, with much sharpness, bitterness, or pathos, that perhaps the family is not always very congenial. Of course, the family is a good institution because it is uncongenial. It is wholesome precisely because it contains so many divergencies and varieties. It is, as the sentimentalists say, like a little kingdom, and, like most other little kingdoms, is generally in a state of something resembling anarchy. It is exactly because our brother George is not interested in our religious difficulties, but is interested in the Trocadero restaurant, that the family has some of the bracing qualities of the commonwealth. It is precisely because our uncle Henry does not approve of the theatrical ambitions of our sister Sarah that the family is like humanity. The men and women who, for good reasons and bad, revolt against the family are, for good reasons and bad, simply revolting against humanity. Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our younger brother is mischievous, like mankind. Grandpapa is stupid, like the world. He is old, like the world. Heretics. February 10th. He said, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. With these words he called up all the wealth of artistic creation that has been founded on this creed. With those words he founded Gothic architecture. For in a town like this, which seems to have grown Gothic as a wood grows leaves, anywhere and anyhow any odd brick or moulding may be carved off into a shouting face the front of vast buildings is thronged with open mouths angels praising god or devils defying him rock itself is racked and twisted until it seems to scream the miracle is accomplished the very stones cry out tremendous trifles february eleventh The chaos of habits that always goes with males, when left entirely to themselves, has only one honorable cure, and that is the strict discipline of a monastery. Anyone who has seen our unhappy young idealists in East End settlements, losing their collars in the wash, and living on tin salmon, will fully understand why it was decided by the wisdom of St. Bernard, or St. Benedict, that if men were to live without women, they must not live without rules. What's wrong with the world? February 12th. The British Empire may annex what it likes. It will never annex England. It has not even discovered the island, let alone conquered it. Tremendous trifles. February 13th. Let it never be forgotten that a hypocrite is a very unhappy man. He is a man who has devoted himself to a most delicate and arduous intellectual art, in which he may achieve masterpieces which he must keep secret, fight thrilling battles and win hair victories, for which he cannot have a whisper of praise. A really accomplished impostor is the most wretched of geniuses. He is a Napoleon on a desert island. Browning February 14th, St. Valentine's Day the revolt against vows has been carried in our day even to the extent of a revolt against the typical vow of marriage it is most amusing to listen to the opponents of marriage on this subject they appear to imagine that the ideal of constancy was a joke mysteriously imposed on mankind by the devil instead of being as it is a yoke consistently imposed on all lovers by themselves they have invented a phrase a phrase that is a black versus white contradiction in two words free love as if a lover ever had been or ever could be free it is the nature of love to bind itself and the institution of marriage merely paid the average man the compliment of taking him at his word modern sages offer to the lover with an ill-favoured grin the largest liberties and the fullest irresponsibilities but they do not respect him as the old church respected him They do not write his oath upon the heavens as the record of his highest moment. They give him every liberty except the liberty to sell his liberty, which is the only one that he wants. The Defendant February 15th London is the largest of the bloated modern cities. London is the smokiest. London is the dirtiest. London is, if you will, the most sombre. London is, if you will, the most miserable but London is certainly the most amusing and the most amused. You may prove that we have the most tragedy. The fact remains that we have the most comedy, that we have the most farce. All things considered. February 16th. Our fathers had a plain sort of pity, if you will, a gross and coarse pity. They had their own sort of sentimentalism. They were quite willing to weep over Smike, But it certainly never occurred to them to weep over squares. No doubt they were often narrow and often visionary. No doubt they often looked at a political formula when they should have looked at an elemental fact. No doubt they were pedantic in some of their principles and clumsy in some of their solutions. No doubt, in short, they were all very wrong. And no doubt we are the people and wisdom shall die with us. But when they saw something that in their eyes such as they were, really violated their morality, such as it was. They did not cry, investigate. They did not cry, educate. They did not cry, improve. They did not cry, evolve. Like Nicholas Nickleby, they cried, stop. And it did stop. Introduction to Nicholas Nickleby. February 17th. Some people do not like the word dogma. Fortunately they are free, and there is an alternative for them. There are two things, and two things only, for the human mind, a dogma and a prejudice. The Middle Ages were a rational epoch, an age of doctrine. Our age is, at its best, a poetical epoch, an age of prejudice. A doctrine is a definite point, a prejudice is a direction. That an ox may be eaten, while a man should not be eaten, is a doctrine that as little as possible of anything should be eaten is a prejudice which is also sometimes called an ideal what's wrong with the world february eighteenth there are some people who state that the exterior sex or physique of another person is indifferent to them that they care only for the communion of mind with mind but these people need not detain us there are some statements that no one ever thinks of believing however often they are made the defendant february nineteenth there are two rooted spiritual realities out of which grow all kinds of democratic conception or sentiment of human equality there are two things in which all men are manifestly and unmistakably equal they are not equally clever or equally muscular or equally fat as the sages of the modern reaction with piercing insight perceive but this is a spiritual certainty that all men are tragic and this again is an equally sublime spiritual certainty that all men are comic no special and private sorrow can be so dreadful as the fact of having to die and no freak or deformity can be so funny as the mere fact of having two legs every man is important if he loses his life and every man is funny if he loses his hat and has to run after it and the universal test everywhere of whether a thing is popular of the people is whether it employs vigorously these extremes of the tragic and the comic charles dickens february twentieth now the reason why our fathers did not make marriage in the middle age and static sense the subject of their plays was a very simple one It was that a play is a very bad place for discussing that topic. You cannot easily make a good drama out of the success or failure of a marriage, just as you cannot make a good drama out of the growth of an oak tree or the decay of an empire. As Polonius very reasonably observed, it is too long. A happy love affair will make a drama simply because it is dramatic. It depends on an ultimate yes or no. But a happy marriage is not dramatic perhaps it would be less happy if it were. The essence of a romantic heroine is that she asks herself an intense question, but the essence of a sensible wife is that she is much too sensible to ask herself any questions at all. All the things that make monogamy a success are in their nature undramatic things, the silent growth of an instinctive confidence, the common wounds and victories, the accumulation of customs, the rich maturing of old jokes. Sane marriage is an untheatrical thing. It is therefore not surprising that most modern dramatists have devoted themselves to insane marriage. George Bernard Shaw, February twenty first. If Americans can be divorced for incompatibility of temper, I cannot conceive why they are not all divorced. I have known many happy marriages, but never a compatible one. The whole aim of marriage is to fight through and survive the instant when incompatibility becomes unquestionable, for a man and a woman as such are incompatible. What's wrong with the world? February 22nd Of a sane man there is only one safe definition. He is a man who can have tragedy in his heart and comedy in his head. Tremendous Trifles February 23rd. The artistic temperament is a disease that afflicts amateurs. Heretics. February 24th. It is constantly assumed, especially in our Tolstoyan tendencies, that when the lion lies down with the lamb, the lion becomes lamb-like. But that is a brutal annexation and imperialism on the part of the lamb, That is simply the lamb absorbing the lion instead of the lion eating the lamb. The real problem is, can the lion lie down with the lamb and still retain his royal ferocity? That is the problem the church attempted. That is the miracle she achieved. Orthodoxy February 25th Nothing is important except the fate of the soul. And literature is only redeemed from an utter triviality, surpassing that of knots and crosses, by the fact that it describes not the world around us, or the things on the retina of the eye, or the enormous irrelevancy of encyclopedias, but some condition to which the human spirit can come. Introduction to The Old Curiosity Shop February 26th it is neither blood nor rain that has made England, but hope, the thing all those dead men have desired. France was not France because she was made to be by the skulls of the Celts, or by the son of Gaul. France was France because she chose. George Bernard Shaw February 27th A man must be partly a one ideed man, because he is a one weaponed man. He is flung naked into the fight, in short he must as the books on success say give his best and what a small part of a man his best is his second and third best are often much better if he is the first violin he must fiddle for life he must not remember that he is a fine fourth bagpipe a fair fifteenth billiard cue a foil a fountain pen a hand at whist a gun an image of god what's wrong with the world? February 28th. The wise man will follow a star, low and large and fierce in the heavens, but the nearer he comes to it, the smaller and smaller it will grow, till he finds it the humble lantern over some little inn or stable. Not till we know the high things, shall we know how lovely they are. William Blake. End of section two.